Hello, everyone, and here we are again for our Black Box podcast, episode five today, and I'm here with Melissa again. Hi, everyone. Glad to be diving into this. I know, Kevin, my favorite part of this is the conversation, but also what happens at the end, and so looking forward to our quote of the day and kind of our takeaway. I've been writing those down, and they're great reminders as we lead in in these times of a lot of unknown, so it's great to have your leadership advice coming through, so looking forward to today. Awesome. So I want to start off the podcast today a little bit differently by telling a story I heard. So there was this helicopter that was flying towards Seattle when an electrical malfunction disabled all the navigation communication equipment. And there was an extreme haze that day. And so the pilot had no way of determining the way to get to the airport. All he could make out was this really tall building nearby. So he flew closer to it and he quickly wrote out a really large sign and held it up to the chopper window and it just said, where am I? The people inside the building, they responded really quickly and so they got the materials and they penned a large sign of their own and it simply said, you are in a helicopter. And so the pilot kind of smiled and within minutes he landed safely at the airport. And so when they're on the ground, the co-pilot said, how did that sign from them help you determine your position? And the pilot said, I knew it had to be the Microsoft building. He goes, how did you know that? He goes, because any computer company's help staff, they gave me the technically correct, but completely useless answer. And our goal with these podcasts is not to give the technically correct answer, but it's the useless one, or even just to give a data dump. We're really wanting to focus on the processes of development and collaboration and bringing everyone in the organization closer together, bringing the executive team and the board closer together, bringing our team members and executive team closer together. And ultimately, as we expand the podcast, bringing everybody that we're trying to reach closer together and closer to Jesus. In fact, today, we're going to talk about the purpose of the process today and why that really matters and how we're trying to utilize that together. Before we get into the clip today, though, Melissa, could you take us through again a little recap of episode four? So last time we talked about the big question, I think not just leaders are asking, but I think teams are asking, which way are we going? It's the direction question. And I think we've all been asking that question probably our whole lives. What school should I go to? Who should I marry? What should my life look like? And so those direction questions never go away. And in leadership, often we're asked, what decisions do we need to make? Where are we going? How How do you troubleshoot out of this? And so we talked about direction, not intention leads to your destination and how critical those key destination and direction questions are. So if you haven't heard it, go back, listen to the last uh, episode before we dive into today's topic. Good, uh, good recap there and good suggestion. We want to encourage everybody to keep tracking along with us. Lots of good stuff comes out of these conversations and has been helping me as well. So it's great. Today, we're going to listen to a conversation we had at our executive meeting recently about our new diversity guide that we're going to be releasing to our staff on January 20th. And I want to give you a little context about how and why the diversity team was even established in the first place. So on day one or two of my arrival back at the beginning of September 2020, I became aware that there was a fairly significant level of conflict and tension surrounding the topic of diversity and racism that was happening. And uh, so maybe, Melissa, you could give us a little context, help us understand what was happening throughout the summer internally and externally around the topic. 
if you do remember back to the summer and again, this, the year of 2020, right? Lots of major events happened that did affect everyone. And so one of those being Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and the situations that were happening mostly in the U.S., but again, did affect what was happening here in Canada with, with some protests or marches. And just this idea of these things coming to the surface that have been there for a long time, but getting a little bit more, not just media coverage, but I think stirring in people's hearts to say, what are we going to do about this? And to be transparent, we hadn't really faced those things before to say, yeah, what is our, we didn't have a statement on uh, racism. We didn't have necessarily training or those things happening internally as an organization. And I think we weren't alone in that. I will say that. I think there was this wake up call that was happening. So it was early on, I think it was day one, even Kevin, it was these things were happening in the summer, we knew we didn't have a CEO. And, and I think we also were very aware that internally, we had some staff who were trying to wrestle through this. But there was internal pressure and external pressure to say, okay, what's Crossroads and YesTV's statement on this? And we were reluctant to just make a statement because we could have had someone on our communications team write something up and put it on our website, and then what does that actually mean? What do we really believe? And so those were some of the things I know early on with you. I said, we need to discuss this. We This is important enough to give it the time and space to really think it through and not just have it as a PR move that we did this summer to join kind of others who were making quick statements, but were those going to be lasting changes? And that really is something that we wanted to make sure was happening. And. Um- we did recognize we wanted this to be so much more than a statement. And it was an opportunity really, in some sense, for me to be able to express and begin to explain and create a new opportunity for people to engage and collaborate together, which is uh, the style of my leadership and the philosophy of my leadership. And we had a number of conversations about how that's different than the style and the culture internally. And so we talked about, there's a lot of learning going on there in the first couple of weeks, even about how we were going to do this. But in the process with Melissa's help and a few others, we put together a team of individuals, we call our diversity team, from various aspects of the ministry, different roles, different levels, who were going to help us guide our understanding, our awareness, these conversations, the development And I made the decision to take this on and lead this team as the CEO. And I did that for a few reasons. Again, as an opportunity to show a new form of leadership. And it's one thing to say, we're gonna have an inverted strategic philosophy or a more collaborative approach. It's another thing to actually show what that looks like and feels and how that functions and how that could be productive and develop. And it's not autocratic, but it was just a good opportunity for us to do that on something that's very important. And that's the second reason as well. It immediately showed that I I personally believe this is a really important issue. And I've been working on diversity engagement conversations for the last 10 years or more. And so I think it was really important for me to show that and say that uh, to our team. So we pulled together some really great people and Over the first couple of months together as a diversity team, one of the things we decided to do to help everyone was build a field guide, build something that first we were thinking that just clarified definitions. You had all this language happening that Mm -hmm. that some people had never heard of. Some of these words were new. What did they even mean? People meant different things about them. So we decided, let's just 
put some definition document together. So at least we all have the same language, we're all on the same page. And then we recognize we can make it better than that. Let's make it more engaging than definitions. And so we did some work to find some great YouTube videos that people could watch to gain understanding, some books they can read. We had some dialogue with all the staff and pulled uh, some of their best questions and what they're wrestling through anonymously. So that can help form us. That's how this field guide has been developed. And what we did this past week was to give the draft of the field guide to the C-suite, the executive, so we could talk about what's in it, what's happening, so they're prepared and aware of that as a final opportunity before it goes to the all-staff. So that's the context for the clip that you're going to hear right now. We want to just jump right in here. I want to just continue on with the uh, hiring process journey that we're on. And we said we were going to keep this on our agenda to keep ourselves accountable to moving forward with this. One of the things that we ultimately are using as, as a stepping stone in some ways, it's not a stepping stone, it's, a, it's an important process in and of itself, which is the diversity conversation. But it's the first conversation for us to have in a larger conversation as we've talked about. And so we sent out the diversity guide document to everyone and we don't need to spend much time on this at all, but I wanted to give an opportunity there for your insight. Did you ever, did everyone have an opportunity to look through it? I'd be interested in your feedback, anything you think we should be aware of that we need to adjust. There's a statement that's, that matches one of the video comments. Let me just go load it up because I just thought it wasn't what was intended to be written with the particular piece of content. I just want to make sure that it gets fixed. And that is, oh yes, okay. It's in Living in Color, the History of Anti-Black Racism in Canada. I went through the video, but the description here says, Andrea A. Davis on why it's important to understand the history of anti-Black racism in Canada and how, and this is where the issue is, diminishing discrimination faced by Black communities is harmful. And I don't think that diminishing discrimination faced by Black communities is is harmful. I think there was some other statement that was intended to be said there. And I just want to make sure. It's the verb. I think you, you're getting a little bit tricked on the verb. It's, think about the verb diminishing, right? And then the preface, and then the whole statement is, is di, it's diminishing the next statement is harmful. Diminishing comma, the next statement is harmful, right? Yeah. So, so, if you diminish, that's harmful to the black community, right? If so, read it again, Joel. I think it, it's. I don't it's understand the statement. Language. It's tricky How language. Diminishing, comma, discrimination faced by black communities is harmful. That's right. So no, diminishing the discrimination faced by black communities is harmful. So they're saying yeah. thinking less of, or saying it's saying it's a really bad statement, the way it's put together. But what they're saying is, if you diminish. The, the discrimination oh, against- I, see. I see so you're so so diminishing in this context is diminutive it's it's not That's correct the, dec- the decrease not decreasing it's not decreasing I suggest different words than diminishing that's yeah it's a, it's I think a that's really a, tricky sense yeah I think that's a great that's exactly why I wanted it to come here so you'd see those kinds of things and help us because we don't want to create any sort of confusion, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we've got enough confusion on the issue as it is. Yeah, Rochelle, can you just point that out? And we'll make sure we get that to, we'll just clean up the language there to make sure that says what it 
what it's trying to say. Yes, exactly. uh, Yeah, that it, it, what I think what it's trying to say is if people diminish yes. or think that diminish Minimize it. If the they, reality of discrimination happening in Canada, yes. then that's harmful yeah. as opposed to we want to decrease discrimination. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's good. Any other comments about uh, the appeal guide? I would just say in the definitions, actually the, the first definition, when they talk about the definition of diversity, one of the things that they didn't include in that definition that's in the dictionary is diversity of opinion. And so I'm not sure if that's something that we want to just not focus on in this particular discussion and communication, or is it something that we, like, it just seems like that part of the uh, definition was left out. Okay, thanks for bringing that up. And and just so you know, the way that we pull this together is different individuals on the diversity team were tasked with different aspects of this and pulled those together. So we didn't all work together on all aspects of it. So it may be that one, whoever it was, I forget who it was, who pulled together terms and definitions left that out. And I don't know why they would have left it out. Because I, I think that's part, I, sorry, I don't have Sue's curriculum yet, but I know that will be part of the whole of what the diversity course that we go through will will not just be based on personal personalities, but it will be also include diversity of opinion, how we all think differently. Okay, so yeah, if you can mark that as well, Rochelle, and we'll circle back to that. I saw, whose hands did I see up? Yeah, Stephen? I was just going to follow up with what Cheryl was just saying whether or not we want to take a legal approach to this and say Webster's defines diversity as. That way we're using an outside authority. We're not trying to make up our own definition, although that may in and of itself be a little bit problematic uh, because I, I like what Cheryl said in terms of thought, but I think diversity, if you went to Webster's, it would probably even be a little bit broader. I think we'll get there, but we're not there yet. But but I think that may be something that we want to think about. Yeah, so these, as far as I understand, these are from Webster's, Merriam-Webster's dictionary. That's what those definitions, it, it shows the source. So it'll say like diversity source, Merriam-Webster. So that's why it's confusing. And there may be different versions and, and maybe that's why it was omitted. I don't know, but point taken, we'll circle that. Melissa? My only comment has probably more to do with the, uh, how we're going to roll this out in terms of, I, and I watched not all the clips, but probably 80% of them. We'll watch the rest later, but I thought it was really good to, again, give some books, some videos, like just the, the variety of resources. Mine would be about the frequently asked questions. I think sometimes in a guide, I think of a FAQ as like, the question and then the answer, so to speak, like that it's provided in the guide. And so I think we just have to make that clear when we do roll this out for all the staff and the directors is that we're encouraging the directors to go through these resources and use these FAQs as discussion questions. So yeah. that's what I was thinking of actually renaming it from mm -hmm. FAQ. Because to me, again, it's very much like, what's this? What's the answer? This is not that. These are discussion questions to help create dialogue around diversity within our organization. So even just defining it a bit differently, I think would help. Yeah, I agree with that. That was actually what we had talked about in our last diversity team meeting. We originally intended for it to be an FAQ, 
and to take all those questions that came in from our team members and to answer them. Mm. But Junior in his, this was Junior's section. And as he started to do it, he said, I just felt like, and I, and maybe Rochelle, you can help me articulate what he said better than I'm going to do right now. But he was saying that as he was trying to do it, he didn't feel like that was the best thing is to just us look like or sound like we have all the answers because we don't. But to use them exactly how you're saying, Melissa, that these are discussion questions that our directors can help facilitate the conversation that's going to be ongoing. And we've talked about that, Cheryl. We're going to have a plan laid out so that the directors know how frequently and, and what they're going to do in terms of how to navigate and manage the diversity conversations. We want to support them. In that, but yeah, that's a point well taken, and we need to change that from FAQ to discussion questions or valuable insight questions or something like that. Paulette, yeah, and going through the report, just adding on to what Melissa said in regards to the FAQ, I'm just wondering if we also need to have a section as people read through this of where we actually under the discussion questions that we would put a box that they could then add even their own potential questions or thoughts around discussion points so that as they're going through it, they're adding stuff in and rather than just downloading all of this, but also giving the platform for them to be able to feed into it. And then also adding what resources have they been reading or inquiring or know about or who have they spoken to and, and some of the feedback. So I think just making it a little bit more comprehensive of a two-way conversation rather than just downloading so that they actually have a living document that they can actually add into as they go through it. Yeah, thanks. That's actually the plan. So this is intended, we've said from the beginning, is going to be a living document. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be the first step at a resource to everyone. And then, again, this is a little bit the inverted triangle process of what we're going to go through here, is at the director's meetings, as they have conversations about DE&I, diversity, inclusion, equity, and inclusion, with their teams ongoing, there will be a feedback mechanism. So they'll have the conversation. And as we equip them, as we resource them, okay, we want you to have a conversation about XYZ with your team. And here's what we want you to do out of that meeting. We want you to feedback to us with this information on these things or good resources or whatever. They'll feedback up into the diversity team. And the diversity team will take all that data, much like we've done with this, shape it, talk about it, work it through, upgrade the guide, and it will just keep on living as we move forward as an organization. Yeah, that makes sense. Just as I was reading through it, I was thinking it was more of a download rather than that two-way communication. So just an observation point. No, it's good if you're thinking that I want to be clear as we roll it out that 
the whole process so that people aren't thinking this is just a download. So Rochelle, if you can mark that for me as well to make sure I communicate that. I, I think it. that will be part of this is almost there needs to be another document that goes with this to explain the process. Again, this is new for us as our staff. So similar, I'll just use simple example of our director's meeting yesterday that we talked about uh, competency exercise. Then today I put together an overview of what that was, what did we talk about, and very clearly here's the next steps for everyone to understand. I think that will be helpful to, uh, to accompany this to really set them up for success with what the feedback is and the rollout. So great. I just been thinking too, in terms of seeing the questions and the list of what's asked, and this is a chicken or the egg thing, but just helping somehow our directors to know how to facilitate a conversation like this. So if you, some of those questions could get into some, some attention and just helping our, so it's one thing to ask the questions and get the feedback, but there is a facilitation that's required in order to manage that feedback, manage the emotions, manage that. So I'm just wondering if some kind of little even facilitation course for our directors would be helpful. Melissa, for our next director's meeting, it would probably be good to make that part of our resourcing for that meeting. So could we plan to have something for that one where we're saying, okay, directors, here, now here's not only the plan about when you're going to have those conversations throughout the year, but here's a way to manage those conversations and then create an opportunity for them to just experience it, kind of kind of work that through. That's a good make a good catch. Okay, I want to point out that this process, you can hear us discussing and there's good dialogue here. Mm -hmm. And I want to point out how this process does fit with how we hope to continue to develop further processes about other things in the future. So the executive have not done the work to build the content for the field guide. They actually haven't been part of those meetings at all that put it together. It's risen up throughout the organization. So instead of top-down directives, this has been a process of multi-level collaboration. It doesn't mean the executive are disengaging with the process, but are actually empowering and trusting the development of the people and the collaboration through their team members. And then now it's at the executive level for final review to ensure that this fits with our overall objectives. And then we shape it in the most effective way to then echo it back to the organization. And the other reason we wanted to play this portion of the executive meeting is because it shows how our team is learning to emphasize the process in the midst of building the product. Mm -hmm. So you can actually hear how the executive team are ensuring there's gonna be leadership support mm -hmm. and leadership development taking place throughout the process of shaping the culture towards a shared understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion versus simply giving a directive, telling everyone what they need to think, and this is what you need to do because we said so thing. We believe that in the long term, this learning to develop in this sort of way is going to build empowerment and trust and engagement and shared ownership and is really going to help us in the long term with all kinds of other aspects of the organization, the ministry. What I love about this, Kevin, is when you started with us four months ago, you started to talk very early on to our directors and our executive team about your style of leadership. What I love is we're doing it. And this is a living, breathing example of how it is this shared ownership. Like we say that term, it's will that really happen or will people really 
feel like they can participate. And from what I'm hearing, even with that diversity team is that they're dialed in. They Mm -hmm. feel again, like we're at the table, we're helping to create this culture of what we want diversity to look like. And so it's not just, we said we were going to do it. We're actually doing it and their voices are being heard. So it's a great first step. I think of the culture we want around a lot of things here at Crossroads and Yesity. This is, we keep saying, this is our first kick at the can, right? Our first entry into that. And it's a big topic, but it's our first way to say, okay, team members, we want to hear from you. What does this mean? And again, our executive team has expertise and um, experience that is valued as well. But before there might've been a lot of pressure on that level to create and to know everything and then to roll these things out. Instead, now it's, no, let's have this resourcing coming up from the staff. And then our executive team can absolutely still speak into it and guide and help. But, and again, then there's even more shared ownership. There's more people around the table who have contributed. And so all of a sudden, if you've contributed to this document and this field guide, there's more ownership. So when I'm then Mm. talking to somebody on my team or a fellow coworker, it's, oh, I was a part of that. We, we developed that together. So the shift is happening, which is awesome to see on this, the diversity field guide and how we're going to then be even rolling this out in the next few weeks is even a different approach and really empowering our directors and giving them the tools they need to have these important conversations. Yeah, right on. And it just, again, accentuates and evaluates how the purpose is in the process itself. So the purpose of putting the diversity team together was not to come up with a statement, a corporate statement. It wasn't to build a field guide. In fact, we we do know having a corporate statement and having a field guide is going to be helpful, but these are not perfect. And the field guide we know needs to be much improved. And the way we're going to improve it, though, is through interactive dialogue that's going to happen throughout the year and the years to come in our teams. So the directors facilitating the conversations with the team members using the field guide as a resource is going to help reveal the gaps that are in it that we don't see right now. The things that have been really effective that we can accentuate and and build out. At our next director's meeting, we're going to do a training session to support them on how to facilitate the conversations regarding race. In fact, I built the tool yesterday to help facilitate that. They're going to receive highlights and insights from their team members, push the data back to the diversity team to work through. They'll update and enhance the field guide accordingly and then send it out. And what ends up happening is these dialogues about these really important issues and this process where everyone's contributing to the dialogue and then seeing that functional product come from their input. It's just such a valuable, deeply connected, collaborative way. And it can still be very productive. And this is one of the other things that sometimes it feels a bit slow. It feels, and that can be challenging, but there is real deep value in the process. The purpose is in the process itself. I think that's where we're retraining and relearning because we do have, I think, uh, a history. And I think culturally, people want quick solutions. Sometimes the frustration can be the process itself. And people don't like that. I think we live in this microwave culture. We want quick. What's the solution? How do we fix this? Let's go quick. But to say, no, this is that long view approach. This is how do we create lasting change, lasting effect, and true transformation 
happen. And that doesn't just happen quickly overnight. And what, again, this process that we're going through is helping people to have meaningful conversations. It's helping our leaders to understand how do you facilitate well? And these aren't things necessarily that you learn just in the moment of things. You have to learn these things. We have to learn these tools and actually put them into practice. And so there's so much we're learning in the process than just the outcome at the end, the quick microwave answer at the end. It's what takes a bit more time to cook on the old stove. And there's a reason for that. There's something you learn than just putting it in the microwave and zapping it and seeing what comes out on the other side. So the process is so important. And at the risk of you know using an, another metaphor, but really bringing it to the metaphor we've been using a lot in terms of canoeing the mountains, we want to be tour guides, not travel agents. And as travel agents, you sit there and you say, here's the things you can do and here's where you go and you sell somebody on an idea or something and you send it to them and they choose where they want to go, but away they go by themselves. We want to be tour guides that actually say, we're going on this journey with you. We're going to help you explore. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be challenging. We're going to help you understand things along the way. And if we don't put emphasis in the process, sometimes what happens is executive teams and leaders say, this is the mountain we're going to climb. This is where we're going. And they start running head off. But if they don't make sure they're bringing people with them, they're not leading. They're not being a tour guide. They've gone off and they feel like they've climbed some mountain. They're like, where is everybody? How come they haven't come along with me? They don't understand. So it's really about that. And we have to have the right mixture of that. There's got to be productivity. We want to continue to actually enhance the effectiveness of the delivery of our programs. We want to become more efficient. And that will happen actually through clarity through understanding what we're about, why we're doing what we're doing. And so it, it will work together. It's not, we're gonna slow everything down. I don't think that we need to hear that. It's that we're having a clear, valuable, engaged process so that everything will actually, we will focus on the right things, do the right things in the right way for the right purpose. I th and I think some of the, the progress will actually get quicker eventually yeah, and sure. we'll get more aligned and create better things on the other side of that. So I love it. Okay. We're going to finish up here with our clarity quote of the day, Kevin. What are you leaving us with today? The purpose is in the process itself.